To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new podcast for you. So this week I have on Jared Pulitz. Jared Pulitz, uh, he was published in the Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, and a while ago I put out a call to action, and I said, anybody that's been published in our magazine, drop me a line if you want to be on the podcast. Well, Jared was one of those guys and dropped me a line, and so I got in touch with him, and the guy, it's so great. Like I love the podcast. He is so passionate about bow hunting, uh, preparing and the deal is is he comes from Louisiana so he he's lived out here in the mountains before and guided out here but then he just comes out here every fall and is so passionate about chasing elk with his bow so this is a really fun conversation and I'm always looking for this with the podcast is finding you know new guests that nobody's had on before and just have these in-depth conversations about bow hunting and so you know, I got a ton of motivation out of this podcast. I let it go here long just because we were having such a great back and forth. So a really good recording. I, I enjoyed it, and I think you guys will too. Sponsor for today's podcast, Zamberlin Boots. Uh, Zamberlin makes some of the best boots out there. I am so impressed by their products. So I tried out this new boot this year, and it's a low-cut. It's uh, their 320 Trail Light Evo GTX. It's a single-piece leather design. It's uh, got a Gore-Tex liner in it, waterproof. These are the the best, most waterproof boots I've ever owned. They're super lightweight. Uh, that single piece of leather it means there's there's not stitching everywhere. There isn't weak points in the boot. Um, you know, and they use the finest quality materials. I am just so impressed by these boots. I've been using them all season, using and abusing them, and uh, they're still in great shape. You know, and so um, I can't wait. I'll be using them this weekend. I'm headed out for another adventure in some big mountains, chasing mule deer, winter conditions, and that's what I'll be running. Those and my gaiters. So um, Zamberlin boots. They're just making great products, and we're all individuals and and look for different needs in a boot um but but this low cut 320 gtx man that thing was built for me I, it's really um i've fallen back in love with the low cut boot it's so good for these mountain hunts i also have their 103 light hiker rr which is a tennis shoe and it's just like a burlier tennis shoe that'll hold up a little bit better with a leather design. It's got a Vibram sole on it. And I am loving those things. I've been using those too. Um, just great products. So if you're in the market for new boots, make sure to check them out. Zamberlin. I also want to thank Eberly Stock. Um, Eberly Stock, they, they build really good packs that pack the weight well. And they build them for, for all your different needs. And so... Um, on this podcast, they gave me a pack to give away. So they gave me an M30 day pack, um, and it's the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. It, it's that line, and it's a day hunting pack that they gave me. So I was able to give one to Jared Pollitz. Uh He was psyched. I, I, I gave him a call afterwards and, and uh, told him I had it for him, and so we got it in the mail and, and shipped to him. But it's a, a really good day pack. So they build packs for all your different needs. And so I talk about this when I talk about Eberly Stock, how I have their kite pack is their heavy-duty day pack. Well, this M30 
It doesn't have a waist belt, super lightweight. It's just got the pad straps. But I've thought about this a lot, that really lightweight hunting when you're just day hiking or from your camp. You want a pack that you can move and stock with. Like I always compare it to hunting elk. You always hunt with your pack on because the minute you take it off, you have to backtrack. And in hunting elk, you're moving and hunting with them as you're hunting. And so like a really light, good day pack, um, it's really necessary for the day hunting or a morning hunt or an evening hunt to be able to travel light. And then I just keep my game bags in there with me and then I can process the animal, get them hung up, and I can even bring out a game bag you know, slung over my shoulder or in that day pack when I'm headed out to make one load. Um, so, so it's just a great pack. They sent me one as well, that M30. Um, so I've been trying it out and using it, but just great products all the way along. So M30, their kite pack or two of my day picks, um, their little big top, been using that for weekend trips up to about a five day trip. If you can pack, you know, small and then, um, I really like their destroyer, their destroyer. Uh, it, it's, it's one of their burlier, bigger packs. It's got a bunch of cubic inches. You can pack for 10 days in that thing, get your animal out, uh, a really thick waistband that, um, and, and then an adjustable frame on it. But that thick waistband, uh, really puts the weight on your hips. Um, and then it's got those, um, you know, and it's thicker too, so it doesn't cut into you. And, and then they've got an adjustable, it, it adjusts for your torso length so you can make it longer or shorter to really make those straps and that hip belt fit, fit just right and get that weight pulled to your back. But uh, I, I really like the company. I really like their products. So make sure to check them out if you're in the market for a new pack. And uh, thanks a bunch to Everly Stock for that M30 and able to get that to uh, Jared for some good use. So uh, thanks to Everly Stock. And with that, gosh, um, Eastman's we're going crazy here. I'm going to try to get over, I'm really trying to plan out a, a good 200th episode. Um, so shooting around some ideas and trying to get that planned out with the guys. And um, just got some new projects for the magazine. I'm really excited about those. I'm going to be working on this new project. I'd like to do like pair a podcast with it as well. I did one a long time ago, but I want to walk through you know, setting up a killer hunting bow and just, you know, what I think about, you know, each accessory on there, the the good and the bad. And I just think it'd make for a great podcast. And I've got an article that I'm writing about it. So that'll be a fun one. I'm going to do it as I'm setting up this this VXR. Uh, man, is that thing just a shooter? I've only ran a, a handful of arrows, but I sure am impressed by that thing. And so excited about that and um, just excited about this podcast. What a great opportunity. And I'm, I'm really looking to get new guests on and just have interesting conversations. And I'm looking to learn and grow and be the absolute best bow hunter I can be. I can just feel that passion starting to, to burn or that fire starting to burn inside me again to start to prepare for, for next season. I got a couple hunts left. Uh, late season mule deer tag in my pocket. Maybe an Arizona hunt. So I want to focus on those. But um Man, I mean, just to grow and to improve and get as much information. And these in-depth conversations, they help me as much as they help you guys, you know. So I'm just fired up about the prospects and some recordings I got going here on Eastman's Elevated. And uh, just to get working hard. And, um, man, there's there's opportunity out there for the average guy. And I just want to seize all the adventure that I can that I can fit into my schedule. So it's been just such an awesome season so far. I got my buddy Dan headed down tonight. I want to get him on a podcast. We're going to celebrate 
my oldest daughter's birthday and and um do dinner and hang out and then hopefully I can get Dan on a late night podcast. I got to think of a good theme for him, but we've been hunting together all year long and just have a bunch of good stories and laughs and and, and then looking towards the future, a bunch of good adventures and remote country I want to hunt and um yeah, there's things I want to discuss and talk about. So we'll try to get him on the podcast tonight. I've gone long enough. Let's get this thing rolling. So Jared Pollitz, this is a great conversation, you guys. Um, Jared is a, a great guy and a great hunter. So um, I know I enjoyed it, and I think you guys will too. Uh, Eastman's Elevated, here we go. Yeah. Appreciate so, the opportunity, certainly. Oh, man, it's uh, good to connect with you. So I've got Jared Pollitz on the phone, and... Um, yeah, we're just connecting and talking about elk hunting. He's from Louisiana, and so uh, he was just telling us how he, he went up to Jackson Hole to to uh, guide for elk hunting up there, and then um, now it's just every year. So you've definitely got the sickness, Jared. Um, yeah, you, it's man, um, like you say, it seems fairly normal up here for a guy to do that, but coming from Louisiana like that, yeah, your whole family and friends and everybody had to think you're nuts. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, Brian, so, you know, growing up, I grew up hunting and fishing. It's, it's, I've been obsessed with it since the, as long as I can remember. Uh, but it, it really started with hunting trips, venturing out to southwest Texas with my grandfather, uncle, brother, and, and father, Jason Whitetail and Deer. Um, and that's between that and the dove hunt, and we historically always went in between Christmas and New Year's, that that's what we had. I mean, we didn't spend a lot of time deer hunting in Louisiana. I grew up in North Louisiana, a town called Shreveport. Uh, now I'm in Lafayette, Louisiana, South. But but that was hunting for me growing up. It was, you know, dove hunting early and then um, deer hunting out in Southwest Texas. But, you know, the, the West has always captivated me. Uh, I've always been just drawn to it for whatever reason. Um, and it's not because necessarily anybody in my family pushed me to that, but, you know, taking trips out west to Colorado, the Grand Canyon or Canada or whatever, it just, I was always the kid staring out the window looking for bear and elk and moose and everything as you're driving down the road. So uh, it's just been something that has had me captivated for a long time. And it, it led me, eventually led me to a, a, a dude ranch class elk hunting outfit north of Jackson Hole. Man, I bet that experience out there was um, so key to your your success, like traveling like that. Like experience is such a big teacher, but to to be able to gain that many days in the field chasing elk, you know, whether you're hunting or whether you're helping your clients, that experience really helps accelerate the learning curve, doesn't it? It it did, and look, and and it and the deal is with this with this ranch I was working for, you know, you basically have to start like most places at the bottom. So I more or less started as a packer. So honestly, I, uh, uh, we were guiding pack trips during the summer and I was a wrangler slash packer during, during hunt camp. Um, you know, just because of life circumstances, I, I didn't stay up there for many, many years. And it's one of those things, somebody's got to die or quit, right. For you to take over the reins of actually guiding. So I didn't specifically guide any elk hunters, um, you know, it's more of the, the wrangling duties and the, the camp jacks and all that. But, but man, did it light a fire uh, for me for being out west. And, and, you know, for guys like you that live out there, it's easy. I mean, 
the feeling that you get when you're in those mountains, y'all understand it. And I, 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 it's, I've always kind of struggled to put my finger on it, but it's just special. And it, it gives me a, a boost or um, just a, a bigger that I, it's hard to explain to people, but I just know that I love it. And so, you know, after my time in Jackson Hole, I ended up back in Louisiana and, and as, as life goes, you know, and then you're making life decisions and I went back to school and, and next thing you know, you know, I found myself in, in Houston, Texas, which is a far cry from, from any of those places that I truly love. Uh, but in 2011, I just decided I'm going back up there and actually went uh, on a, I didn't even have a tag, a buddy of mine had a rifle tag. In, in Colorado, and I just went up there to help out. We didn't end up getting on. Um, we didn't end up getting an elk that trip, but it just it started the bug, and I've been elk hunting every year with a bow on my hand since, um, starting in 2012 with a with a Gila tag, if you can believe that. I drew the first time I, I ever put in New Mexico. So um, it, it's a sickness. I mean, I've told a lot of people it's the only drug I've ever needed, and, and you know, people, I encourage people to, you know, if, it's, if they ever have had interest in doing it, that they should. Um, but it's it's something that I definitely will not stop doing ever. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, well, that, that elk hunting with a bow is uh, so thrilling, you know. It's so fun to chase those things around. I, I like what you say. There is something special about the mountains and the perspective it gives you, but it's really tough to put into words, right, when you're put on the spot trying to describe like what it means to you but i really think um you know there there i think there's multiple reasons why guys like us are drawn to the mountains and and i really think a big part of it is the adventure like us guys need an outlet for for our energy and for our thoughts and dreams and ambitions and and goals and something to to work towards and put your energy to you know and and there's a lot you know, in life, we've got our, our family and we've got our work and we have to make money and pay bills and that's all necessary. But I also think what's necessary is is to chase our passion, to have passion, to have something that you just love to do far more than anything else out there. Like you said, it's your drug. It's just – and it's mine too. Like just I get excited before I go, as I'm going. I love being out there. I love grinding, working hard. I just – I found my thing, you know, as you have, you know, but – yeah, I think it's special when a guy can find an outlet for all his energy and his passion. It keeps me in good shape. It keeps you in good shape and keeps us planning for the next one. You know, it, it's it's such a great way to live life, I think. No, it absolutely is. Um, and it's a, it's a year-round pursuit, and, and a, lot of, a lot of folks have, have gotten to that, and the game's changed. Um, like I told you, I mean, People scratch their head now when when I leave South Louisiana and, and drive all the way to Colorado by myself, uh, you know, to, to go hunt with buddies or spend, like I mentioned, six days in the backcountry by yourself. I mean, they literally look at me like I have snakes coming out of my ears. But, uh, you know, between that and, and the 5 a.m. wake-up calls to go exercise to get in shape, I mean, I tell a lot of people, I mean, I live at sea level, so – when you find yourself hunting elk, you know, a timberline at 12,000 feet, I mean, you, you, you better pony up, son, because uh, <laughs> it, it gets pretty nasty. And, 
is and I listen to guys like yourself that are constantly running and, and doing all this on the mountains to stay in shape and I, I do the best I can and I'm extremely dedicated to it. I mean it's uh like I said, it, it it's easy. I mean some people love it, some people don't, but you know, I'm in my neighborhood park dragging tires with, with sandbags in it or doing miles of lunges or whatever I can do to make sure my legs are in shape as best I can when I get up there that I can push and keep pushing and stay focused and grind it all the way to the end. I mean, it's, it's, I can't simulate the altitude. I know that, but I can make sure my legs are not going to be tired and my, and my will is going to be focused enough to grind through all the way to the end because you just never know when you're going to get an opportunity as you well know. Man, you're doing it right, Jared. Like, uh, just your commitment level and dedication, and um, it's a lifestyle, isn't it? When you like to hunt out west, it's not something that you can just go out and do a week a year. Like, you've got to live that lifestyle 365, you know? You've got to be, you know, and that's especially true, like, where you're at. Like, your research is so important because you're committing a a 20-hour driver board to where you're headed, and, and, and also, like you say, you, you're coming from sea level. That's another dis, you know, disadvantage that you that you have, where you you've got to really work on your legs and make sure that you're ready. And I do think even coming from sea level, elevation is such a huge deal. But the the better shape you're in, the better you prepare, the better your body acclimates to that, you know, to that that higher elevation, and your body's ready for the challenge. So man, it's so important. And you also bring up another good point is. Um, you know, doing those exercises, making yourself get up to five, being dedicated, man, that sharpens you mentally, right? And gets you ready for the grind of Western hunting. So once you get out here and the chips are down or you can't find elk or your legs are tired or it's like you have that other gear. You've put in all this work all year long. You've sharpened your mind. You're tougher mentally. It's such a a, a huge portion of it of being successful, huh? It absolutely is, Brian. And, and what I've found and what I've seen, uh, even growing up in, in hunting in southwest Texas, you know, I, I used to, I still laugh because, you know, it's a different style of hunting out there, as you know, down in the south or, or in southwest Texas in terms of hunting around feeders and all those things. But from an early age, I, I just never liked sitting and waiting, right? So, they used to call me the walkabout kid because even out there, I would get up and go stalking and walking through throughout the hills. Now, they're not hills like you're used to out there, obviously, but um, it, it just – I didn't know this, but it was honing those skills. And so when I transitioned, I mean, the style of elk hunting that, that I do, uh, you know, not sitting over wallows and, and all those things, but, but really – burning up country, uh, chasing and trying to glass and do some of these things. I mean, it just fit well and it fits my personality well. And, and I just, you know, when, when the, when the 5 a.m. bell rings on your phone to get up, I mean, there's a lot of reasons that people don't want to get up, but it, it's a neat lifestyle because when that happens, I, I tell myself, I don't care if it's 11 months out, elk season is coming and I want to be ready. I mean, that's one of the things that I've, you know, it's my personality, sure. I mean, from an intensity standpoint, but you, I'm I'm not leaving everything on the field. I'm not leaving an elk hunt if I didn't get one, uh, which happened. I mean, it's it's extremely tough. I've been hunting over the counter units in Colorado, you know, for the last five years, uh, six years actually. But uh, it's tough, and so 
but I'm I'm not gonna. There's never gonna be sleeping in. There's never gonna be. You didn't go hard enough that day. I don't have. I have nothing but overdrive gear when I'm out there. Uh, I, I get that it may be different for some people, but this is my Super Bowl. This is my championship fight. I, I wait all year long for this. I train. I get ready. I scout. I e-scout. I do what I can because you, you get one chance, and then you got to think about it all year long. Unfortunately, coming from South Louisiana, and I, look, I have young kids, uh, three young boys who I've gotten into hunting, but I don't. I, look, they're in the school year down here, so I don't drag them out there. You know, we do hunting in southwest Texas with them, and so that's my big hunt every year. So it, it, uh, it the mountains are relentless, as you know, and, and a lot of people that listen to the podcast know. So uh, it, I've just found if you don't give it everything you've got, uh, there's just no change. I mean, uh, you can you can get opportunities, no doubt. I'm not I'm not leaving it to that. I'll put it to you that way. So it, it's full throttle. Um, it certainly is a lifestyle, but but I love it, and the people that get it get it, and uh, it's 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 special, special to get out there. The smells, the sights, the sounds, and facing those critters is just phenomenal. And uh, I guarantee I'll live longer because of the lifestyle I'm, I'm living because of that passion, no doubt. Man, it gets me fired up, Jerry. You're doing everything the right way. That you know, and and even for guys that are super driven alpha personalities, it's. It's like still that alarm clock goes off at five. It's not like my brain doesn't try to come up with excuses you know, to, to like not go or throughout the day. It's not like I don't get busy with kids or work or, you know, and then it all of a sudden it's six, seven o'clock at night, you know, and, and all of a sudden your brain's going, oh, just take a day off. It's cold outside or, you know, you, you'll run tomorrow. It's like the only person that's that's keeping you accountable is yourself because there's no, you know, half the time I don't. I don't even tell, you know, my wife doesn't even know if I run or not, or there's nobody that knows but me. I'm the only person that holds myself accountable. So, like, you know, sometimes I'll sit at a trailhead, and, and it's pouring down rain, and I don't feel like running. i got to sit in my truck. But I've gotten really good at, at not letting myself make excuses, like not not letting myself give in. And, you know, I just get outside the truck, and I get put one foot in front of the other, and I always feel better after I'm done. You know, I always feel better when I'm doing it after I'm done. I never feel worse. Um, but, you know, even – even when you're this committed and this dedicated and know you have to you have a bigger cause and elk season coming i still have to be my own motivator and i have to hold myself accountable like i still my mind still tries to come up with excuses that i have to beat down and still get out on the trail you know and it's the same thing during hunting season your your brain's going to try to come up with excuses it's going to try to like um ease your ego you know like you're oh uh you know It'll try. It's not that big a deal if you come home without an elk this time. You're a good bow hunter, you know. It just tries to like let you down softly and let you take the easier road or the easier way, and you just almost have to fight it. Go, no, I am gonna give it all I have out here. I'm gonna give it all I have today, tomorrow, and half a day Sunday until I've got to start heading home. But that's, you know, the like it's a it's a mindset that I think we're constantly working on and improving. It just doesn't come naturally. Uh, do you find the same thing, Jared? To some extent, Brian, but to be honest with you, um, I, that overdrive gear is natural. And I mean, I'm laughing because I'm, I'm sure, you know, 
my wife would probably be rolling her eyes and some of my close family and friends would because I, that drive is natural. And so I don't, and my, and the, my buddies that I hunt with in Colorado would, would probably say the same thing. And, and hunting buddies, good hunting buddies are absolutely a tough thing to find. There's no doubt. Um, but I, I don't have quit in me when I get into those mountains. Um, that is just something that I mean, there's just no room for it in my mind. And so uh, it doesn't matter how long the days are, 15 mile or 10, 15 mile hiking days, or you know, you're, you're up in hours before the sun comes up and, and getting back to camp in the dark. I mean, it just, for whatever reason, I guess I'm fortunate. I, I don't have to fight those mental battles because it's not even a question. Um, that is obviously a result of honing some kind of mental toughness over, over the years. Um, but it, it just, it, if it even starts to creep in my mind, I fall back to telling myself, look, I mean, you get one shot at this and all the, all the exercise, all the prep, all the, the times you're in shooting your bow and everything getting ready, it comes down to, it come down to one opportunity. I mean, absolutely one opportunity, one arrow, that's it. And that's what happened to me last year, uh, 2018. I, I mean, all everything we we saw two elk the entire trip two bulls together and and i was fortunate enough to put an arrow in one above timberline but there's 99 percent of the the things you've got to do right and you get to the end and it, it doesn't work out and so i just i'm removing everything i can from from on my side of the plate so that there's going to be a reason that something you know you weren't able to make it happen you know, you weren't able to, to, to bring meat home or whatever. And so I, I just, I, I, I don't have quit when I get, when I get up there, I, I, for whatever reason, I'm fortunate in that, in that sense. So, um, I, but I understand, I mean, I, people can, you know, you start playing mental battles with yourself, but, uh, no long winded answer. I apologize, but yeah, no, I, I, uh, it's, uh, it's easy for me to go full throttle all the time. No doubt. Man, I mean, um, it's such a great personality trait when you're self-motivated, you know, and, and um, you know, the same things you say when you when you sit and you go, no, I've got so much shooting and running into this. It's the same thing I tell myself, you know, like, hey, you've been running all year. What's what's another 10 miles? You say you like exercise. Well, here we go. Here's your opportunity. There's a bull out there. You're probably not going to get back till two in the morning or maybe you're going to have to sleep out without a sleeping bag. But there's your opportunity. You've been asking for this all year. Time to send it, you know. So um, it, it it sounds like, uh, you know, you self-motivated and um, you're able to hold yourself accountable. Man, it, it's such great personality traits and it's so well suited for hunting the West because, man, it it is so difficult out West. And you stated this earlier. Like public land bowls, over-the-counter tags, uh, general seasons, or whatever the case is, but the the higher pressure areas on public ground, man, you gotta work your tail off. Like you said last year, seeing two bulls the entire hunt, your one opportunity, and you get in and you're able to arrow one of those bulls, man, that's incredible. Like that's, um, you know, that's that that's what dreams are made of and that's what we're all working towards but yeah i think we're all individuals you know the way we look at things and the way our brain works and um you know i you know i i work uh you know 
as hard as uh, harder than most, I'd say, you know, and, and put in my effort. But yeah, I mean, it's I'm constantly sharpening my mental game, my physical game, my shooting game, like making that shot on that bowl, like archery shots on animals are not easy to make to to be able to keep your cool in those moments, especially hunting elk, which are the most thrilling animals out there. And, and people will say they're big targets and they are. They're a bigger animal with the 12 inch vitals, but elk are so tough. That for me, I got to have absolutely the perfect angle on an elk, and I've got to send a, a, an absolute perfect arrow through the vitals. Because if you don't hit them in the in the vitals, lungs, heart, or liver, those those bulls will go forever. And still, weird things will happen. So I just know I've got to put an absolute money shot on them. You know, when I'm shooting at elk, but that's tough to like keep your cool in the moment, deliver a perfect arrow on a big bull. As he's rutting and those bulls was they're rutting, they never stop moving either, you know. They're chasing those cows and they're it seems like they have a knack for always making the right move, always being on the other side of the herd or stopping with a tree in their vitals or, you know, stopping with an elk in front of them. It, they just have a knack for it, but you just got to, like, continue playing the game and look for that sliver of opportunity you need. And, and then, you know, having confidence in your skills and be able to deliver a good arrow, but... Man, it, it is the most challenging thing out there, and um, it always seems tougher than I expect to. I visualize, and I, I, I try to think of the hunt and where I'm going to cover and make this hunt plan uh, like I do for every hunt. And um, But when I get there, it's always like a, like, a, like a boxer being punched in the face. It's always like those things you don't expect, those hurdles or those challenges that you didn't plan on showing up to the trailhead and there's 10 rigs there, you know, and so you've got to go to your next game plan or you've got to hike further. Um, so much of it is getting hit in the face. And, and then what do you do? Right. I and mean, I'm not sure I've ever been on an elk hunt that went as planned. I mean, this year <laughs> was, was literally, it was pretty brutal to be honest with you. Um, you know, exactly what you said, showing up at the trailhead and in a new area, um, that close friend of mine had, you know, the, the two buddies that I hunt with in Colorado, uh, they, they live up there. Uh, so there is some scouting opportunities that, that they get here and there. And so, uh, but this year, just because of scheduling, it, it there was, we weren't going to all be able to hunt together. And so one of them had gone in there, scouted, found bulls. And so here I am on my big elk hunt for the year. And I show up at the trailhead with, with the horse trailer and horses pack in and there's cars everywhere and it wasn't hunters it was it was people going fishing and, and labor day crowds and hiking and i had no idea and uh you know they just trips just never seemed to go good i mean we we hunt with stock a lot and, and that doesn't always go smoothly or whatever and so it's just constant adaptation trying to figure out how you're going to make it happen and uh i mean you've done it you, you go into these hunts with several plans but I, like I said, I, I've just I'm, I've never been on a hunt that went to the script. Yeah. It just doesn't it doesn't happen for me anyway. It's just constant changing things up and and new plans. Like I mentioned last, last year, uh, you know what happened is is my buddy and his sons had, had spotted these two bulls above timberline from I believe it was almost two miles out one afternoon, and then me and my other buddy found them again the next morning, and I mean. We literally had to sleep under a tarp for two spike ends and sleep under a tarp for two days and get a beat on these two bulls and where they were coming in and out to make it happen. Well, that wasn't 
that wasn't part of the plan. You know, we we set up camp three and a half miles away at a wall tent, right, with wood burning stoves and all that. And instead, we sleeping under a tarp for two days with minimal supplies. But it took me zero point five seconds to say this is this is what we're going to do, and uh, we got. I mean, that's the only chance we've got. So. You know, it takes that kind of level of commitment, and, and you tell people, certainly down here in the south sometimes, that you slept under a tarp for two days to go kill an elk, and they go, oh, wow, uh, no interest in doing that, but congrats, you know. But guys guys that know what it takes, they appreciate it for certain, and uh, it, makes the, it makes the story better, the adventure, and certainly, you know, I've told a lot of people, it, we all chase big bulls, and that's fine. I mean, we all want opportunities that it's the monster bulls, but the adventure part of it and the story that comes along and the effort that's involved. uh, And it's not that I have any interest in, in it's not a bragging from a bragging standpoint. It's just for whatever reason in life, what I've found, you know, in my time on this earth is that the harder it is to accomplish things and the more boxes you check that are, things that other people wouldn't do, the greater you feel internally about what you're able to accomplish, you know, and the greater, you know, skill sets you have and the ceiling, you've busted through that glass ceiling and you've set the bar higher for yourself. So you, you, you tell yourself, what's next? What, what can I really do now? Because I've proven to myself I can do this. And that, to me, it's, it's amazing the correlations between hunting and life and, and how it's all intertwined and the relationships you build and everything else. But uh, well, that's what I found. The harder it is sometimes is the greater the accomplishment, you know, when you are able to make it happen, for sure. Oh, you hit the nail on the head, Jared. That's that's absolutely it, isn't it? It's like the harder you work at something, the more you put into it, the more it means when you accomplish it. Uh, you know, the, the tougher the challenge, the more it means to you, you know? If it's easier, you don't have any work into it, and you haven't been working up at waking up at five in the morning. You haven't been shooting your bow every. It just doesn't mean as much. So yeah, like um, it's a, it's a little bit counterintuitive because you know at times you're not having fun on a hunt. You're grinding. And by the way, that motivates me so much to hear your story of last year. You guys are all in, like sleeping underneath that tarp, just doing what you have to do, being uncomfortable and and absolutely going for it and then able to get a an arrow in that bull. Man, that's what it's all about. That sums it up right there, you know. That's um that's what it is. I I love to put in the work and effort towards something that I want to accomplish and then um you know, it doesn't always happen. It is like the toughest challenge on planet Earth. And we talked about, you know, adapting on the fly and changing your tactics. You guys hadn't planned to sleep underneath the tarp, but that's what the situation called for. Like so many of these hunts, you know, they never go as planned like we talked about. Like you have to you have to adapt. Our greatest asset as, as humans is our, the power of our brain, you know, the, the power to be able to think and, and come up with solutions for problems. And, you know, I, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I can I can think through things in my in my head. I can come up with outside the box ideas. I can be creative and I can come up with how I'm going to locate elk or how I'm going to find that that buck or that bull. And, and then from there, you know, your your brain starts to work because finding them is one thing, killing them's a totally different thing. You know, to be able to get inside a bow range, like 
these animals' instincts, they are aware. They are switched on. It's their life, you know. And so um, to be able to get within a stone's throw of them, it's not a gimme when you find them. It, it's going to take you making absolutely all the right moves and and, and and making the most of that opportunity and then having things go right, you know, deciding when to go all in. But I think a big part of these hunts is adapting to the conditions you're seeing. Like you get there, you've got plans and backup plans and things that you can go do, and you've you prepared yourself for the challenges. But it's getting there, it's getting hit in the face and not finding elk, and then where do I go next? What drainage am I going to hike up next? What vantage point am I going to find? Oh, there's camps here, there's guys here. Okay, I've got to come up with something else. Or starting to see a few elk, you know, and then going, okay, there's elk in this space, and like transposing that information, like where else on the mountain range looks like this? You know, what else is at this elevation that has this cover? Oh, you know, two drainages over, it's got that, or... I always think, too, like elk lead you to other elk. When you can find one herd with a bull, you'll go three, four, five miles chasing that bull, and all of a sudden you'll find more elk in there. You know, they'll lead you to other elk. You know, so I just think adapting on the fly is such a, a big part of this game, you know. Well, it's it's adapting on the fly, certainly, and it's even adapting from year to year. I mean, I've, I've seen it progress with our group, and, and we're kind of at a, at a, at a point – you know, it's gotten tougher and tougher out west, naturally. I mean, there's there's more guys, you know, chasing these adventures and whatnot, and so the pressure is uh, is is there, um, certainly on the over-the-counter general units. But even our hunt style has, has morphed. I mean, it, it, you know, truck camping was, was, you know, at least where we're at, it, it doesn't give you, I hear all the time, and, and maybe, you know, parts of Montana where you're at, um, or parts of Idaho where you've been able to hunt, I mean, you can you can move around pretty pretty easily with you know from day to day with with truck access. And where we've been, I mean, we, it's like you've got to pack in. And even when you pack in, I mean, it it blows my mind every year. You get as far back that you think you're by yourself. You think there's nobody crazy enough to be as far back as as I'm standing right now, and then you run into somebody. And so, you know, our our plans are even evolving in terms of how we're going to hunt. We've hunted with horses and, and it, it morphed in that, that experience last year with the tarp morphed into, okay, we're going to, we're going to add TP and, and stove to our repertoire and, and what we can do and, and to give us some mobility. And now there's a multi-state strategy conversations going on because uh, I just think, you know, one, I, I want to chase, chase elk and, and chase good quality opportunities. Um, but, but two, you know, I'm seeking that new adventure. I mean, it is fun, and there is something to be said about hunting the same areas and, and getting getting to know them and getting to know patterns. But I know I've heard we've heard you talk about it on your podcast. It's just it's neat to go up and over into the next ridge and to see what else is out there and to, to check. You you may be like this year where we went, and I wasn't impressed, and nothing seemed at all like I was expecting when I got in there from all the e scouting and. Google Earth and everything else, and so just always looking for that that next adventure, and that's what fuels um, fuels everybody that's passionate about this sport. Uh, so it's 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 a wild ride, and it's it's fun to to think about where it's going to take you next. But it it is it's it's a relentless hobby. I'll say that at least it has been for me. I mean, it, it takes complete commitment from what I've seen to be successful, and I've been fortunate enough to have some success uh 
here over the last stretch of years coming from South Louisiana. But you know, I've I've heard I've heard uh, I hear it sometimes. I heard it this year from family. Well, you know, you you've killed three bulls out of the last five years. I mean, you know, there are a lot of people that don't do that in their lifetime, and it's almost like okay, well, it's time for you to hang up your hat. You you can check that box and be done with it. And I look at them and say, no. I mean, I expect just my mentality. I expect to kill an elk every year because that's the level of dedication I put into it. I know that that may or may not happen. It's, 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 that's a tall order for somebody that gets one shot a year. I, I get it, but that's my mentality. And I, I, I just feel like if I don't have that level of commitment and that mentality, then it's not going to happen. But I absolutely expect it to be successful every year. And if it doesn't happen, oh, man, I'm disappointed. Um, I really am. But it just fuels the fire for the upcoming season that's 11 months out every time. And it, that's what gives you the motivation to get up early and, and to do the things you do. But uh, I'm, i got to admit, I'm jealous of you, you, you guys out, out west that uh, have a lot more access than, than I do. So maybe one day that will change for me. But it's, uh, it's special. It's, it's special. I mean, obviously, the, the growth of this podcast is a good indication of, of you know, where the I, – I've got a lot of uh, hope for the sport in terms of people getting into it for, for different reasons, whether it's organic meat or, you know, lifestyle, staying in shape or just adventure seeking. But it, it almost seems – I know that maybe hunting numbers have declined recently, uh, according to some of the, you know, the uh, U.S. surveys. But, man, it seems like maybe – I'm hoping we can turn a corner it seems like more and more people are these days with the modernization, you know, and the, in the, the flooding to urban areas and all that. I mean, a lot of people don't have these experiences and something's missing. I mean, it's, it's primal instincts and it's, you know, when you go back thousands of years, this is what, this is you know, what we do every day. And I think about, I'm sure you do. I mean, I, I there's nothing I like more than walking around and, and you know, smelling the mountains and, and standing in a place and just questioning. Uh, I wonder if anybody's ever walked right here. To me, that's just a, it's, it's a neat thing to think about because it's, uh, you know, as busy as everybody's lives are these days and the phones and the kids and the, and the jobs and all that, man, to be able to unplug and get it, get out there and focus solely on chasing a critter uh, with a, with a, Bow in hand is is something that drives me and fills my cup, so to speak. That it's hard to even put words into, but uh, can't imagine not doing it. And God willing, I'll I'll be able to do it for a long time. I mean, you see these guys chasing elk with a bow, and uh, I mean, I've seen guys into their 80s. And I hope I'm that fortunate. I promise you that. That that'd be quite the blessing there. Man, I think you did a good job of putting it into words. It is like being able to solely focus on a task like that is um, so beneficial for for our health. It is something primal, or you know, it's it's the whole reason us humans survived as a species is our ability to to hunt and adapt and think, you know. And so, yeah, you do have this this primal tie to it. But man, that's so impressive! Like three bulls in five years, you know, like bow and arrow success like harvest rates for bulls. I know in Montana here, gosh, I think it's 6% um, with a bow and arrow, and that might just be for elk. I think bulls are like 3%. So 
you know, really? this wow. challenge that you've taken on to be able to harvest a bull and expect it every single year, it's so impressive, man. I mean, three bulls in five years and and uh, talking about hunting different areas and you went into an area this year and it didn't pan out. You know, you did all your e-scouting, you know. I have that too. With great risk comes great reward. And, and, you know, I went to a new zero point unit in Colorado to try to hunt mule deer this year. And, you know, I found a buck, I got a good stock. I was really close on them, but I ended up grinding day after day after day. And the population of deer just, just weren't in those areas or in that unit, you know? So like, that's part of the risk we take, but that's where hunting is so great. Like is, is that you never stop learning. you never stop improving, you know? And, and and you're always just trying to figure out a new area and it is like uh to be a great bow hunter or it is to be able to to take on you know whether it's different species or different habitat or different places and be able to solve the puzzle figure it out and so like what you're doing you know hunting elk and and hunting you know i i agree with you like hunting the same locations like i have some places that are dear to my heart that i spent 10 years to try to find that is that epic hunting that that we're searching for i go back to that place those places i explore further i'll hunt those again but i also throw in a really good mix of hunting new areas you know and i I love being able to go to a new mountain range and trying to figure it out and harvest a mature bull there or a mature buck. And um, I think there's a there's a lot of enjoyment and fun in that, but it doesn't always pan out. Like sometimes we pay big tag dollars. We pay all the gas money. We do scouting trips. We put so much into it, our vacation time into it, and we're all in to try to be successful. And you get there – and it doesn't pan out. It's not quite what you're looking for. Now, you give it your all. You hunt for the entire hunt. But now it's time to go back to the drawing board. Where am I going to go next? Where's the next adventure? Where's it going to take me, you know? Um, I think that's the special thing about it. It is. And, uh, you know, at least for me, I mean, it, it, you know, my, I, I like to say our success. You know, the the, the, the guys that I am hunt with and their dedication, I uh, alluded to it earlier, it's tough to find, and, and I know you know this, but finding guys that you really mesh with that will hunt as hard as you will, it's just a tough deal. I mean, look, my, I, I mean, I still remember the, the telling my brother the story of the bull that, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to have featured in, in Eastman's magazine, uh, Bowhunter Journey, a few years back. I remember driving home from that trip, and it was an absolute rodeo, and it involved there was no tarp uh i mean but sleeping literally on saddle pads uh trying to get this bull out, out after taking him in some dark timber and, and dark came upon us and everything else but it was a rodeo of a trip and i remember telling my brother the story who by the way has grown up hunting just like me but never really had that western bug um, and has never really wanted to go with it, but he literally said, that's elk hunting, no thanks. You know, he was joking partially, but it, it was a whipping, right? But that's what makes the story, and that's what makes, that's what keeps me going. And, uh, you know, it's having the right, having the right partners, or if you're going to go solo, guys that, that you can count on uh, to come help you out, or, or whatever the case may be, or just guys in general, just, just relationships with people to be able to, to call and the dream and scheme, I call it. Come up with ideas and what about this state? What are you thinking about that? And in terms of hunting styles, you know, 
you know, you hear a lot of people and I, I've, I've listened to, you know, a lot of your podcast and in terms of how you do it, from what I've found, I mean, I'm not married to anything. I mean, if I love calling out, absolutely love doing it. But if you have to throw that aside, like last year and not make a peep and play the glassing game and the patterning game and figure out how to slip in without making a sound to 33 yards and make it happen. I'll do that all day of the week. I mean, I know some people that'll say, man, if they're not bugling, I, you know, I just don't, I don't have the, the same passion or I, I just not really what I'm looking for. I, I want to get in the timber uh, and call and, and do that. And I get it. But for me, I just love chasing elk. period. So however, whatever tool I've got to pull out of the tool chest to try to make it happen, that's the one I'm using. And I'm about, I'm far from an expert. I, I, I hope, uh, you know, I continue to do this every year. I mean, I, that's, that's the plan, but it's just been fun to adapt and change things up. And every year, you know, like last year, you know, hunting above Timberline, a big light bulb went off for me, man, it was hard to get back here, but this was, you know, we had some success. This was a, a tactic that worked and it can work other places. So where else? So you go back to the drawing board, like you said, and you start digging around into other areas of the states that you're familiar with or looking at new states. So I, that's, that's what makes it a, a year-long, uh, you know, venture, uh, a year-round pursuit, so to speak. So. It, you talk about those good hunting partners. They are it, – it is tough to find the right guys you mesh with that you can trust, keep a good mental attitude, and, and um, you know, but, boy, when you Count find on. good friends like that, it's it's really special, isn't it, to share those hunts with those guys and – and like you say, uh, dream and scheme. I like that, you know, because that's that's what a lot of my year is. A lot of us hunters, I think we live in the future, planning the next one, you know, thinking about it, and and uh, I try to be in the present as well. But you know, I'm always looking forward to that next adventure and how I'm going to go about it. And it's so fun to share that with friends and also to look back. And I, you know, hunting with a good buddy and sharing that experience. And and elk are so big too. Um, Man, I mean, getting them out of the mountains by yourself is a task, and it's a task no matter if you got buddies or not. But it, boy, when you can rely upon guys like that, and you learn to trust them, and you learn to trust them when you guys make it through experiences, you know, and and you do like you'll look over at your buddy sometimes, and and you know your life is in danger whether it's adverse weather, steep mountains, whether it's grizzly bears, whatever, and to look over at your partner that's suffering with you, or your buddy that's suffering with you, you know, and and uh kind of crack a smile or crack a joke you know there's nothing better like i absolutely love that and i i compare it a lot like i i wasn't in the military or di i didn't serve but those military guys have such a strong bond you know and it it's because they have each other's backs and they they're, they're protecting each other you know in adverse conditions when they're getting shot at which is a totally different deal than hunting but I can kind of relate it to that a little bit, you know, this buddy that you create that you go through all these hardships with, that you train with and you you you, you bleed with and and sweat and cry with, you know, it's like uh they they get to know who you really are and you get to really trust them as a human being and as a person. And man, that's a pretty special relationship between hunting partners. It doesn't get any better. It doesn't, but it it's it's the adversity, right? And and uh Anytime you get in those situations, like I said, I haven't been on an elk hunt that went as planned. And so you, you, you get a real sense of someone's personality and how well they're going to jive with 
with you when you get in those situations and you know whether or not you know, things aren't going well. Well, what, I mean, you can either have a positive attitude, and I, I always have that. I mean, even as bad as it is, I mean, you, you're just always trying to, to scheme the next idea or whatever because, you know, when things don't go well, I mean, that's, to me, when, when people, you know, like I, I talked about that that hunt back in uh, 2014 that, that ended up in Eastman's, I mean, it was bad. We had horse wrecks, and, and it got dangerous, and, and my buddy got kicked, and at that point, you know, he was, he was a, and this is not someone I'd known for years and years and years, but that one trip, which was a handful of days, but that 24 hours from the, from the moment, you know, we arrowed that bull till we got back was an absolute rodeo and it was dangerous and it was bad. And naturally with anything in hunting and certainly hunting out West in the mountains, you know, wilderness and national forest. I mean, you, you, you learn, from your mistakes and things that you shouldn't do or whatever. Uh, and we I'm still relatively young at the packing in elk hunting game at that point, but, uh, it was bad. And, uh, my buddy got kicked and knocked down and, you know, finally had to pull the plug and, and say, you know, we're, we got to sleep under the stars here. Somebody's going to, I mean, you, somebody's been leaving in a helicopter. This is, this is not good. But it was after that. I mean, that's where, I mean, it, to me, two two hunting partners either go their own separate ways, or there's a, a lifelong bond that comes from that. And now it's, it's it's always funny, right? It's always funny to look back and talk about these stories. And in the moment, I can promise you, it wasn't funny. I mean, it was dangerous. So you learn from it. But uh, those bonds, I mean, that's just it's a it's amazing. And and I do. That's why I've encouraged a lot of people, especially in today's day and age. I mean, the, the bonds that I've created in my lifetime whether it's with family or friends and, and now very, very close friends. I mean, you, you'd almost call them like brothers from these adventures and these trials and tribulations is it's really hard to, to even describe, but it's, it's there and it's all, I mean, I have nothing to, to thank, but the adventures that I seek every year. And that's where all that comes from. Um, you know, the tight bonds that I have with, you know, my brother, my father, my grandfather, my uncles, my cousins. I mean, it really, if you boil it down, if you ask me, well, what does that come from? Well, sure, we grew up together, whatever. But it was those those moments hunting for me, you know, in southwest Texas or whatever. And so I, I feel like, you know, a lot of people miss out on that. And it doesn't have to be hunting. I mean, it can be fishing. I know you're a big fly fisherman. Mean, that's another passion of mine. I call it the, the, the bow hunting of uh, our you know, a fishing, but I down here in South Louisiana, I, I don't, I don't get up to the mountains to, to do it often enough. But it's it's all of those adventures that are out there for people. It's just amazing what, what comes of it. You know, spiritually, from friendship standpoint, from family bonding, it's just incredible. And so, you know, I, I don't know where else you find that today. You're not going to find. That's in my opinion. You're not going to find it on the computer. You're not going to find it in your phone, but it's out there. That adventure, that, that green space, you know, that fresh air, it's all over the, this world, uh, not just in the U.S. You know, there's opportunities everywhere to go and seek new adventures. I know you've gotten, you know, into the mouflon and axis hunting in Hawaii, I and mean, how phenomenal is that? You know, go, going to New Zealand, it's, it's, uh, it's just, I, I see 
from guys like you and from guys, you know, that are in the outdoor industry space and, and just people that are not, just people that are know, just the growth, the human, you know, the, the, the growth that people have from, from pushing themselves and getting into those experiences, it's phenomenal. And if you take a step back, it's, it's neat to watch, right? And I think uh, it, it seems like more and more of society might be waking up to, to that need to go out and do these things. And, I mean, I don't know what you can contribute that to other than it, it's been in our DNA for as long as, uh, you know, God put human on, on the earth. So it's, it's neat to watch, and it's, uh, it's sure is fun to be a part of it. I feel blessed every year that I can go up there and, and do these things, and a lot of sacrifices are made to, to, to go do it. You mentioned expensive tags. I mean, they have elk, elk tags are not cheap, certainly not non-resident elk tags, but um, it's worth every penny. Now, if you'd asked me that halfway into uh, my elk hunt this year, I'd have said, man, I got hose. But uh, <laughs> um, it, 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 it's, it's just all part of, part of it. So it's, uh, it, it's a neat, neat and powerful passion and, and hobby for sure. Uh, I, don't, I don't play golf. I don't do any of those things. I mean, this, it's, this is what I'm focused on. And yeah. it's, been, it's been fun to watch, watch the growth of it for sure. Isn't it? Um, gosh, yeah, you, you made so many great point, points there. And, and uh, you're right, the strongest relationships I have are built around, you know, adventure and outdoors and um, being able to go for it. And, uh, you know, it's um, you find out somebody's commitment level pretty quick, you know, and, and you can't cheat the work. You know, you got to put in the work to be able to perform in the mountains, you know, and you find pretty quick what what people are made of like you find out what you're made of in tough situations you know and and um you know through that like like you mentioned it's so uh it, it's so character building you know it you build such character from from taking on these tough challenges and and overcoming them or or even just surviving them at times it gives you confidence in the rest of your life and the rest of your world and when you have problems like if I have stress at work or budget issues or timeline, you know, I just think back and it's like, man, I know what a big deal is. This isn't a big deal. You know, my life's not in danger. My family isn't sick. Like it's a, you know, I, I've been through way tougher times. In fact, I was on a tougher time on my run last night, you know, like I can just think back to tougher times and it allows me to put things in perspective. But it, it makes me way better at just regular life. Like you just – um. You're just able to carry that mindset and and those lessons that you've learned in the backcountry and able to carry them into life to where, you know, now to work a a full day isn't a big deal or to suffer a little bit here and there isn't a big deal or to handle a little stress. It's like I can deal with these problems, you know. I've I've definitely faced worse. And in us backcountry hunters, you do. You develop almost a calm about you to, to be able to handle situations and issues and problems when they come your way, you know, and I – I think that's the great thing is it is so so character building and in in the relationships like you say the the great relationships built all the people I keep in touch with are hunters like I don't you know if it's a I, I don't if we don't have something we enjoy together like I, I I don't we just don't keep in touch we just drift apart but when you have something that you both love and you're passionate about like those are good friends for life like you pick up the phone and I could call them today and check in on them and see how they're doing and see how their season's going. You know, you just build such quality relationships and you build true trust. Like, I don't think your friend, you know what your, 
you know, what your friendship means to your friend until it's truly tested, you know, till you guys are out there together and your safety's on the line and you're watching your buddies back. Like there's, there's nothing like it, that, that relationship and bond that you, that you create. And, um, I'm with you. It's neat to see. And, and I get motivation from guys like heck, like, um, you've got me motivated this morning, just talking to you, Jared and your commitment level and your story and the way you talk about the outdoors and your friendships, like, like I draw motivation from that. Like, uh, I'm inspired by, by hearing people's stories and, and commitment levels, you know, to what they love to do. And, um, yeah, it's just such a great lifestyle to lead. And like you said earlier, like being able to take this into your later years, it's nice that, you know, it's not like a professional career where we're done at 35 or we're done at 40. Like, um, I'm continuing to get better. I'm continuing to get stronger and mentally tougher and um, like a lot of these guys that win these ultra marathon races, they're not 20 year old kids. You know, they're 40, 50 year old men that have, that have strengthened their mind and toughened themselves. And that's like this endurance challenge that that I can relate to to bow hunting. You know, and so like as I just continue to strengthen my mind and strengthen my body, I'm just continuing to get better and more efficient in the hills and become a better bow hunter. And I hope that can ter- continues into life and. I say I I'll never be an old guy. I'm young at heart, and I'm gonna go for it and send it, no matter what my age is. And the the day I can't make it in the mountains is is probably my last handfuls of days on this earth, you know, because I I absolutely love to get there and challenge myself. And it it may change over time as we get older and things. You we, I may have a few more limitations, but I'm gonna always continue to send it. That's for sure. That's one guarantee. Well, that's just pushing it, right? And that's what makes like we mentioned. That's what makes things. Uh, worth, worth living for, worth, worth chasing, right? It's not, uh, it's the journey. It's not necessarily the finish line. And uh, it started early for me. I, I, like I mentioned, in southwest Texas, kind of growing bored with the way that traditional deer hunting, you know, w- was done. Um, and so it was seeking the next challenge. I mean, I remember picking up, wanting to pick up a bow in high school and you know, I, st- I still joke with my dad about it. He kind of made the comment, my dad is not a bow hunter. He's just always been a rifle hunter. Uh, he said, well, you hadn't really mastered the rifle yet. Why do you want to pick up the bow? And I'm thinking, well, I mean, it's, it's the next challenge, right? Uh, regardless of mastering, in, in, you know, in your opinion, the, a, a rifle. And so that's what led me to, to pick up a bow and to start chasing. And now, you know, I, I mean, there's places that we hunt out there. You know, all dad have started to capture my my attention. Ooh, wow. I like those too. Yep. Oh man, I mean, are they fun to chase? And uh, you know, I've, I've uh, guided a bunch of them, and it could have killed a, a a number of really nice rams with a rifle, but that's not what I want to do. And now it's you know naturally, like I mentioned, I mean, I get my elk hunt. That's my big hunt of year, and then the you know a lot of my time spent in Southwest Texas is with my young boys, and so the the, the focus is on them and making them successful. And so I don't really get a whole lot of time myself to run around chasing all dad with a bow, but I mean, I, I, I've done it and I've gotten close. I just not to necessarily to a, a stud ram, but it's that next challenge, right? And, and people say, Oh, you can't, um, just good luck. There's no way that you, you're going to ever get close enough to do that. Oh, really? Well, we've done it. You know, my, my, one of my good Colorado buddies uh, who hunts out there with us, you know, we've we've scouted them up and made it happen. And once again, people look at you, man, that's that's incredible. 
well, it's the same kind of commitment in the the that you've honed chasing elk in the mountains that to make you successful out there. So it's just always pushing and, tr- and trying to find that next level. And like I mentioned, it has nothing to do with, uh, hey, look at me. It's just that's what fuels me. So it's it's trying to figure that out. And, and uh, I've had that mentality since I was young, and now it carries on. And, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm excited about what the future holds and, and the other critters. I mean, I'm. I really struggle to ever imagine me not if I'm only going to get one shot. I mean, I listen to guys like you, and it and it fires me up. And I think about you know chasing mule deer and I see y'all have success and how you're doing it. Uh, I, I do wonder if I have the patience like y'all do because I love moving around. You know, because elk hunt's a different game, as you know, and to sit there and watch a bedded buck for four hours and. And wait till he's in the right spot, man. That would test me. But maybe that's what I should chase. Chase next when I get time, because it's another, you know, thing I need to improve on for sure. But uh, it's it's something. There's no doubt. Yeah, that's you, uh, uh, that's really cool. Have that you had a, have you have you chased all dad before? Have you have you? I know uh, Dan Picard, right? He's he went was it last year? Went down and and chased him. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, Dan Picar went down last year and chased him. He had a spot down there and a buddy he went with. And yeah, I think he arrowed like a. It, it wasn't a, a a great big odd ad ram, but uh, arrowed a nice ram down there or a decent ram. But um, yeah, talking to him and listening to him. Um, yeah, I think it would be a fun challenge to take on. I haven't done it myself. Like, it's a little tough because there isn't as much public ground down there. Like, you've got to find an inn or a private spot to hunt them. But, right, man, I really right. want to take it on because you can hunt them all year round, and I really like the, the habitat and terrain they live in. And I, and I love hunting sheep, and it's a sheep that us blue-collar average guys can go chase. So I think they're really cool. And all sheep have great eyesight, live in open terrain, um, so I think that would be really fun and really challenging. So it's definitely on my list and something that I'm going to do and start to put more time and effort in, but man, good on you, like taking on these different challenges and, um, you're right. Like you've fallen in love with elk hunting, you know, for the thrill of it, but also you get to hunt them aggressively like elk. You just see them and you, you've got to go get into them and then rely upon your instincts to get you close. But, you know, I think you'd take on mule deer the same way. Like some of it's. You know, patience definitely waiting and when a buck beds down, trying to play a higher percentage odds game to get, you know, a good stock on them. But a lot of mule deer hunting is aggressive, too. Like right now during the rut with these bucks starting to rut and the does and things, you can't really bed them down and be patient. You hunt them more like you hunt elk. Like it's it's way more aggressive, like making moves, really? okay. trying to cut them off, trying to see them over the next ridgeline, trying to keep with them and put them in their bed. So it's a lot like elk hunting. It's, it's real exciting and thrilling. And, you know, um, we all get like our different styles of hunting and, and whether that's super aggressive or passive, but they all kind of work as you hone them and figure them out. And so like, like you you hunt more aggressively for these elk. I think you could apply that to a lot of different species and be successful, but also the, um, like you mentioned, you're such a bow hunter as you're always trying to improve your skills. And you said, I could use a little bit more of that muley patience, you know, and you can that patience, like, um, like for all of us, for me included, I just continue to develop more and more patience, moving slower, more, 
calculated. And even with elk that I hunt really aggressively, like knowing when to slow down. And, and even this year hunting elk, I'm hunting them in more open terrain. I mean, there's times where I'm frozen, you know, in the edge of the timber or whatever, where I can't move. There's a cow looking my way or a bull looking my way. And sometimes I'll be frozen for an hour or like the big Montana bull I killed. Like I sat on that thing bedded for two and a half hours waiting for him to stand up to give me a shot. And I waited for a half hour in range of his satellite bowl, not being able to even see the herd or him. So like this patience that that you develop and you continue to develop, like, man, it sure pays dividends even in my elk hunting and in my elk stalking. Uh, you know, I think it's a big reason why, you know, I was able to harvest a couple good bulls this year. So yeah, man, it's just um, that's where it's cool is we uh, we get to keep improving and, and developing these skills to be the best hunter we can be. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's a thin line, and you alluded to it, and, and guys like you that have a lot of success have honed it over years and years and years, but it, it's a thin line between being too aggressive or, or being too slow, and and that's I have these conversations a lot. It, it just ends up being instinct, right? You just know in your gut take the next few steps, stop, don't move. And it, it, and, and, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, you can, you can see that have a ton of success in, in hunting the way that out West, uh, but it's, it's really a thin line for, for me. And it's hard to describe to somebody when you move, when you don't, it's just you uh, over time and time and time, you hone it and you, and you start getting those feelings. But uh, it's, it's something, and, and that's the beauty of, of this sport is, I mean, I certainly am, feel far from an expert at it, even though I've had some success, because I always know there's things to improve. I see guys that can shoot better, that find more success, find it quicker, and so it's always pushing, 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 and that's the that's the beauty of it. It's hard to match. It's a very, and I, I guess there's a handful of, of guys out there that could say, man, I've got it, I've got it dialed. But maybe they have a dial on one species, and you go hunt another one, and it's, it's different, you know? So, Your hum- that's humble pot. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, that's what the, the beauty of it, and, and you've gotten into this, where, I mean, it's there's, you know, growing up for me, there was a, a small window of time that we really got to hunt. But but now there's these opportunities like you've taken advantage of, Hawaii, New Zealand, and there's, there's seasons out there, and... Um, and I, you know, there's some expense to those things, but you know, if you're dedicated to your this, I mean, you look at guys that play golf and they spend a lot of money on on greens fees and all these things. I mean, if you you have some discipline, I mean, I could you could challenge anybody. If there's some there's somewhere in your life you could maybe cut back on some cost and and stash some money away to go on a New Zealand hunt or you know to take a flight to to Hawaii or whatever. And I haven't looked into those things, but I hear guys like you talk about them on this podcast and it, it's just neat because it, it could, not only can it be a year round pursuit mentally, physically training, e-scouting, literally there are places all over the world to go find these adventures any time of the year. And that's what, that's, what's exciting to always. I mean, I, I hear these stories that y'all talk about. Of, I mean, I can't remember what was it, you know, countless countless more more stalks in one day in hawaii chasing axis than most people get in a lifetime i mean that's where you hone your skills and how fun is that right and and that begins to teach you when you do get the one opportunity and i think that's why i press so hard every year because like last year 
I mean, if I would have, me and my buddy, if we would have monkeyed that one opportunity with this, the two bulls that we found and eventually the one that we got a shot on, if I'd have blown that, it would have been it. And I would have come home with nothing, nothing after all that effort, sleeping under a tarp and, you know, uh, living out of a, a minimal backpack for a couple of days. But that's the opportunity you get. And so, you know, I, it's just being able to sharpen those skills over time. And uh, I wish I had I had uh, time to do it more and, and lived in places. But, you know, there are opportunities everywhere. People that like tail hunters, and there's all kind of opportunities to do that all across the U.S. So it's uh, it, it's just something you got to push at. That's, I think people either love it or they hate it, but a lot, a lot more people are, are starting to realize the value in, in uh, chasing these adventures for sure. Oh, I think you're right. Yeah, and it's um, yeah, I think we're all just students of the game too. I think that's the great thing is you never quite master it. You know, it's like a, your humble pie is always waiting around the next corner. You know, the moment you think you've made something, you know, or or you are something is uh the the you're gonna be humbled pretty quick in bow hunting because it is so difficult and it's you know like I. The animals don't know who you are or your reputation of what you harvested before. They don't know that the work you put in in the off season, you know, you're not guaranteed anything in the mountains, you know. You get those, the the you know, hopefully you can create some opportunities through your hard work and through your knowledge and scouting and things. And then it comes down to being clutch in the moment like you were on that bull, man. I mean, all the pressure in the world. Like you say, um... You know, you put so much into it. You know, the the two days of uh, bivouacking out, the pattern in this bull, and then moving in in crunch time, and you created this opportunity, got your chance, and sent a perfect arrow. Like that is so tough to do. And a lot of times, I'll put so much effort into an animal or into a stock or into a hunt that doesn't pan out that I do fall short. I find a giant bull that I would love to kill, and I I may bivouac and put in thirty miles and so much elevation. And it doesn't pan out that time, but, you know, uh, eventually it works out. If you continue to put effort forth and you continue to try to improve and learn, like success is just around the next corner. And sometimes you feel like nothing can go right or that you can't catch a break or – but you just continue to try to believe in yourself and make smart plays and eventually it comes together. You know, it's just amazing if you just keep putting forth effort. It, if I'm – my bow hunting success – it is, and I've said it before, like, it's just persistence, just keeping out there, keep trying to give myself a chance, not giving in, not giving up, going for one more day, or, you know, like, I, I'm so fortunate to live out west where I do get to chase them in weekends, so if I don't kill my bull in my week, I can go back that next weekend and stick a Friday on it, you know, where it's a three-day weekend and go again, but, yeah, if, if I'm nothing in this world, I am persistent, you know, I just keep going and eventually I'll I'll just create that little opportunity I need and then, you know, throughout all the practice and honing my skills, you know, able to make a good shot and it comes together. But that's what bow hunting's all about, man. Well that's it. And and going back and you kinda hit it. I mean it it's it's all of this effort and prep and, and experience that makes the difference in the moment. And and you know, I don't know how things are for you. You know, for me, I, I just blessed in this sense, I, I suppose, is that things just slow down. I don't get super nervous when it when it's go time, you know, to to, to draw back on something. 
I just have a calm about me, and I'm lucky in that way. I mean, there's no buck or bull fever or whatever, and, and last year was a perfect example. You know, we snuck in Timberline, and, you know, we're creeping along the edge, uh, just crumb holes or whatever, and next thing you know, as I see the, the, the top of bull's rack up above, the, it's like a small little rise, you know, ridge, so to speak, grass where he was feeding, and so I could see his his head, I mean, I see his, his headgear before he could see us. Well, it was at 66 yards, and at the time, there was some other things that had gone on. It goes back to that confidence. You know, I switched out some gear or whatever, and I, I should be able to make that shot, but in the moment, he was feeding and moving. He had no idea we were there, but he wasn't He wasn't still, and I just wasn't comfortable. And at the, and at the time, my buddy said, man, just let him, you know, let him go. Like, let him go in the timber, we'll hunt him again, and just instinct took over, and I zipped up to 33 yards and as I I mean as I go to knock an arrow I look down and my D loop from all the hiking and bow sling somehow had squinched down where you couldn't knock an arrow now all the reason in the world to panic in that point and all you could do was gently break you know split them apart knock the arrow and settle in but I had all the reason in the world to, to freak out in that moment, but fortunately things slow down. And I, I don't know, I don't know what gives you that other than, than experience, you know, and, and taking time to hone these skills. And, uh, I mean, I, I've got nothing but improvements to do in, in all facets of it, but it's, that's, that's one thing that is, is, I don't know how you coach that, but, uh, I, I just think, the more you're in front of these animals and, and trying to pursue it, I think I think it helps you get to that point. But uh, it 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 can be a nerve-wracking adventure for sure. But uh, it is certainly a thrilling and sure is uh, fulfilling, I should say, when things do come together. Man, good control over your mind, like in those scenarios. And it, it, it's tough to explain that calm or being able to make your best shot on an animal. And, you know, I think some people, you know, uh, some people it comes easier than others, you know, who, if, whether it's nature, nurture, whatever it is, or experience. But like what you stated is so important. Like the, the more times you get in that position, the better you get at it. And the more times that you can practice calming yourself. And like, I almost thought I had an adrenaline problem back in the days. Like my, I, I had the opposite effect. I get so excited being close to an animal and, and I could really shoot, but I, I couldn't control my mind. I couldn't calm myself down in those moments. And I think it's just over time you get better at it or you screw up an opportunity and you go, you're so mad at yourself and you just go, the next time, here's what I, I've got to breathe deep. I've got to get a hold of myself, focus on putting that arrow in the right spot. And then the next time you get the opportunity, you're able to close. And, and through doing that time and time again, eventually you start to – to, to build your confidence and, and build your skills where you can rely upon being calm in those moments. And um, big animals will test that, you know. It's like uh, all of a sudden, like I practiced a lot or got experience on high-opportunity hunts like we talk about Hawaii or, you know, maybe shooting these white-tailed does. We can get five white-tailed doe tags, and, and it's kind of open terrain, and we can stalk them and things. And so that really made me good. At first, you're a little nervous, and then you start knocking down does, and then pretty soon it comes really easy. 
But then the first time that big buck walks out and you're shooting at him, all of a sudden it's buck fever all over again. Or like, um, so, so it is, it's learning how to calm yourself. But like you stated, it's, it's just that experience of being in that bow range. So getting those, those opportunity hunts are important and then practicing calming yourself down and, and being in the moment and capitalizing on them. And man, it's one of the toughest things out there for sure. And, um, you know, sometimes we work all season long and we get one opportunity like your elk hunt that you have to close on. Boy, if you mess that up, um, it'll eat you alive for the next year. So when you come into the next season, you know, you're better prepared. And I always notice too, like I get more comfortable as I'm in that hunt. Like, uh, like, like take antelope season opens here August 15th, and I love chasing antelope spot and stock. Well, the, the first couple animals of the year that I get in bow range, like I can feel my heart beating a little harder, and I, I'm excited, and I got to really breathe deep and calm myself down and talk myself through it. But then after a couple stocks, then it's just normal. It's just like being in bow range and making plays at animals is normal. Once I, I'm in muley season, and it, it doesn't matter if it's a 200-inch buck or what. It, like, I'm just – I'm playing the game, and it feels normal, and I'm calm in that moment. But first couple encounters of the year, you know, I can feel my adrenaline spiked. And, you know, it's part of the reason why we do it. But, yeah, like – um you're you're fortunate that you have that calm in that moment because a lot of us we really battle and fight it and sometimes it takes years to overcome for guys you know that excitement and buck fever and bull fever and being able to to deliver in the moment like bow hunting is the highest pressure moments the highest pressure on you and being able to keep your calm and deliver that arrow and uh i definitely think it's a skill that you have to develop you know and um yeah, I'm fortunate to be able to do a lot of these high opportunity hunts and develop that skill to where now, you know, I can breathe deep and be calm and just focus on putting that arrow right in the spot I want to put it. But yeah, that is definitely a a skill that is so advantageous for us bow hunters. Yeah, I, like I said, I'm I guess blessed in, in that sense, and uh, it's tough it's, uh, because. I mentioned sometimes and last year was a perfect example. That was it. I mean, the rest of the year, I mean, I, I do hunt the rest of the year. Like I said, with the kids, the boys are duck hunting around here or whatnot, but that was my one opportunity that I prepared for all year long. And so it's just trying to have win that mental, mental game in the moment for sure. But, uh, you know, it, it helps as you, as you have done, you know, in the, in, the off season to go hunt these other animals and do these other things. So, uh, I, I need to find other opportunities to, to chase things when I can, no, no doubt, but look forward to improving. Yeah. And, and well, chasing that improvement, no doubt. Well, in a lot of it, like is enjoying what's around you. Like you just mentioned duck hunting, like how much better does duck hunting make you at, at bow hunting? Gotcha. Yeah. Sorry about that. It, it cut off on us, but yeah, just finishing my thought, like in enjoying what's around us, um, you know, you mentioned duck hunting and, and those are, are high pressure moments when those birds are coming in and you're excited. And then with the shotgun, they're not easy shots as you have to lead them, you know, usually lead them farther than you think and be on your game. So those are like these adrenaline filled moments. And I can really relate it to different things in life, even fly fishing, like making that one cast fishing, as you're, yeah. as you're going by a bank. Bingo. Yeah, you make that one cast, and you got to get the men's in, and then the big fish eats it, and you've got to set that hook and go tight. 
And then it's adrenaline-filled moments where you have to play that fish right as he's taking line or under the oar or into the limbs or you're running down the river to keep angle on him or whatever the case is. But I just relate so many of those moments to being good uh, with with an intense amount of pressure on you, you know, in in everything. Like I watch the Olympics and watch those athletes or you watch even football or whatever the case is. I can see it everywhere in life is just like you you get these moments where – you know, you get a chance to be clutch. And bow hunting, there, there's uh, nothing that shows that off like bow hunting is is being clutch in moments. And so I I just absolutely love it, and I love it's a big part of our sport. You know, it's fun. Yeah, no doubt. And, and the fly fishing thing, like I said, I, I need to get out west and do more of it. But you're right. I mean, you're on a, a float trip, and you, you get one shot. And once you pass it, that's it. You know, it's the perfect moment, perfect bank, and you got to get it in there. Uh, and you obviously have some skill at that, um, but it, it is, uh, that's why I call it the bow hunting of, or sorry, the, yeah, I mean, the bow hunting of fishing is fly fishing. It, it takes similar practice and similar commitment to be successful at it because it is, it is not an easy task, that's for sure. Now, you guys have those um, redfish around where you're at. Do you ever get a chance to go fish for those? Oh, I do here and there. I mean, it's, I mean, world class down here in South Louisiana. Uh, we, we do fish for them. I, you know, just I don't fish as much as I do love fishing. I, I just don't get a chance to fish or haven't made it as much of a commitment with, with kids and sports and all the rest of it. But, yes, there's a lot of really good fishing down here. Guys do fly fish in the flats for them. Uh, certainly along South Louisiana and uh, and along the Texas coast as well. They got the big, big bull red. So redfish and, and trout are big opportunities down here. But honestly, I mean, there's a lot of guys that go bow fishing down here along the coast. You know, have gotten into all that. So, uh, I mean, they call it the sportsman's paradise down here. I'm not so sure. Seems like duck hunting these days is not as good as it used to be. But there are other other things to do, certainly fishing and, and uh, deer hunting around here could be pretty good, depending on where you're at. So, yeah, have you ever been down to the coast doing redfish or no? Oh, it's it's uh, it's it's one of those fish that I on haven't I haven't done yet, but I really want to. Yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. Um, but you know, like us guys, we have to pick and choose our hobbies, right? We only have so much free time and dedication, and we've obviously found bow hunting and committed to it but yeah man i i love to fly fish and those reds look like so much fun i've been thinking about making a trip down there and trying it out like they just look like a hard fighting fish it looks like a fun process to try to fish for them down there and i've done um you know i've done the flats and i've done like uh, uh florida and the keys and, and, yeah i've done i've done that yeah. um and i want to do more of it especially more of the do-it-yourself waiting on those beach lines in the caribbean and throw into those bonefish and it's something fun that i can take my family on a vacation out there and kind of mix and match and still have something where i i wake up at daybreak and throw to bones or throw to redfish or whatever the case but yeah man those redfish uh they look like they're fun to fish for. They look like a hard fighting fish and a fun process out there. Oh, they will bend a rod for sure. It's uh, those big bull reds. They're something. So I think you would, if you enjoy fly fishing, you would enjoy the heck out of it. It's finding the right spots down here um, for sure. But uh, the guys that figure it out and, and uh, you know, so, so 
fly rod at them. It, I mean, even with regular tackle, it's a, it's a blast when you get into them, for sure. Good eating fish as well. Oh, they are. They're really good eating, huh? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Like a a white meat, Jared. <laughs> Yeah, now you, I mean, you got some big bloodlines sometimes. I mean, the bull, a lot of people don't like the big bull reds, right? Because I guess they they tougher or whatnot. But the smaller ones are good. But honestly, I've I've seen guys that'll uh, actually fry big bull red ribs. No kidding. Like cut ribs out like you're eating beef and fry them, and they're phenomenal. The way I, I've seen some guys cook them, so. You know, coonasses down here know how to cook. I mean, that, that goes without saying. So uh, if, they, if they can be eaten, there's some there's some folks that have figured it out over the years to make it good for sure. Man, how cool. Um, well, Jared, man, it's been an absolute blast to talk to you. I can hear the passion in your voice for bow hunting, and it's just so impressive you coming from the south and taking on these huge adventures, you know, and, and then to be able to have success while doing it, you know, it, it, it just shows off – you know, your your dedication and passion for bow hunting, man. It's just been awesome to connect with you. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly appreciate the opportunity to get on your podcast. It's been, it's been fun watching uh, your platform grow, and, and I continue to be excited about watching where, where it heads. And, uh, look, I'm humbled and, and uh, thankful for the opportunity to get on here and for all that you and the, and the Eastman's crew do for the sport, no doubt. I mean, it's uh, – I mean, I – I have a lot, lots to thank for y'all, including that Gila tag when I pulled it. I mean, it was because of the MRS section in the back of these magazines and, and grinding that data. So thank, thank you for the opportunity, and certainly thank you and the, and the whole crew for all that y'all do for hunting in general and Man. fishing, for that matter. Yeah, um, my pleasure. Uh, we have to keep in touch, and uh, you have to come back on the podcast next year when you're getting ready for your elk hunt or uh, you have a good odd ad hunt this year and get that that big one down with your bow, come back on and share the story with me. And man, let's keep in touch. Absolutely. Look forward to, to doing that and uh, would love the opportunity to come back on. For sure. So I'll, yep. uh, I'll uh, keep in touch and good luck with the rest of the season. Oh, thanks so much, man. Yeah. And let me know if you need anything or any information out West or anything I can help with, but yeah, man, it's been a pleasure. We'll talk soon. Okay, man. Likewise. Take care. Okay. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Uh, fun conversation with Jared. That guy is so passionate about bow hunting and hunting elk and improving. And um, it's just interesting who you meet through this podcast. And so um, thanks to Jared for being on and reaching out and uh, sharing some of that information. It's so wild preparing for a hunt from Louisiana. I just, you know, I, I, I travel and I go to these different places, but I just feel, you know, I live out west. You know, west is home and. Um, I'm in a good jumping off point, you know, even though I'm in Montana, gosh, I can be to Idaho or Wyoming in no time. And, um, yeah, it's just wild, like having to drive that far and, and, and put all your chips in one basket too, is to have one elk hunt a year and it all comes down to that. And, uh, I'm pretty fortunate that I get a bunch of different adventures and opportunities to chase elk and opportunities to be a weekend warrior. But, um, yeah, that guy's driven really fun conversation. It's got me all fired up. So um want to thank our sponsors for today's show. So uh, I want to thank Zamberlin, just building the best boots made. I, I am really impressed with this single-piece leather design, waterproof. 
um, those low hikers, those uh, 320 Trailite Evo GTX. And maybe you like a higher or a stiffer boot. You know, they make them, but this boot's made for me. It's a great one. Uh, and then I, I'm also liking that, their, their hiking shoe, the 103 Light Hiker RR. Um, those things are just great, man. I've, I've been wearing them, you know, while I'm hunting and, and outside, I've actually been running with them here in the wintertime, wearing them to work, just abusing them, you know, and they're, they're just hardy. They just hold up to it. So just building a great shoe, great boot, super impressed by them. And thanks to them for sponsoring the podcast, Zamberlin Boots. Uh, also want to thank Everly Stock, just a great company. Uh, they, they've been with Eastman's Elevated from the beginning and, um, they just build great products. They stand behind them, a uh, great warranty on them, and, and then they have a pack for every different need. And and so they sent me the M30 I was able to give away to Jared on the podcast. It's so nice like when you have a guest on the podcast to, to be able to send them a gift and say thank you for being on. And so uh, what a great gift from Everly Stock. They also sent me one, so uh, I've got that M30 as well. And it's just a super, super lightweight backpack for day hunting. And you just get like your lunch, like a, maybe a mini scope in there, something like that, tripod, my camera, but super lightweight. And then you just hunt with it on your back and you're so nimble and agile, you know, for bow hunting. You're just able to hunt with it on. You don't have to take it off. So, um, yeah, it's a, you know, it's. It, it's a great arrow to have in your quiver. It's a it, it's just a good option if you're just making a morning hunt or just making an afternoon hunt or just a day hunt or something like that. Um, so Everly Stock, thanks to those guys for sponsoring the podcast and building great packs. And with that, man, yeah, I'm fired up to get preparing and get into application season here and try to figure out hunts for next season. Um, it's always a fun time of the year. And, um, I, you know, and I've got a couple more hunts left. I'm just so fortunate. Had a bunch of good ones this year. Been able to have a, a bunch of time with friends and family. And um, got my buddy Dan headed down tonight. And uh, we're going to head off for a few day or, um, it'll be a quick hunt. Um, you know, we can't, I can't stretch it too long. But uh, just go have some fun. Go cover some miles in the mountains and, and live in that cold weather and, um, you know, rutted up mule deer just doesn't get any better. Just um, so fortunate to still have a tag in my pocket. Good buddy to go with. Going to try to sit down and record a podcast with him tonight. Dan always makes for a good recording. We're just such good friends and go on so many adventures together. And uh, just have a similar style and way we think about hunting just because we have been hunting together for so long. But um, he's a great hunter, great insight. And uh, so I always love hanging out with that guy. So that'll be fun. Trying to plan a trip to get back over to the Eastman's office, see those guys. Um, did a recording with Scott the other day. He was a little worried. Um, well, I'll, I'll clue you guys in on it when we when I release the podcast here in a week or two. But uh, anyways, his wife was expecting, you know, and so uh, we were trying to get a podcast recorded before he had to go in. And he had an induced state, not to give you guys too much information on Scott or uh, his kid. It was just funny because we fit in this podcast, right, and recorded this podcast. And right after that, he went straight to the hospital and, um, and uh, they had a, uh, you know, had their new kid. Um, yeah, it was just wild how, how quick it happened. And we kind of joked about it on the podcast. And then, um, you know, as soon as we finished, he was at the hospital and, uh, they had their new kid just hours later. So congratulations to him. He's got a new future hunter coming up. Um, 
you know, having these kids around, it's so fun. It's like, um, you know, I talk so much about hunting and then being a better person, but God, I, I love being a father to these girls and trying to kind of guide them through life and just hanging out with them day in, day out, you know, in the evenings and for dinners. And, um, they're just, you know, it, it's, it's one of the most, uh, fulfilling, rewarding things I've done in my entire life. And I just love having this core family group where, you know, right now we're kind of planning trips and Christmas and things of that nature. It's just so fun. Uh, just love these girls and um, I was calling my harem you know because I got my wife and my two girls and then I do have my my boy dog Gunny he's my my buddy in the house so um, yeah but uh, anyways I always joke um, but yeah just so fun to to have a core family like that and um, share what I love with them so yeah it's a pretty cool deal but uh, yeah me and Gunny been hitting the trails um, gosh I don't even I don't even take a day. It's hunting season isn't even a break anymore. I get back and I'm just on those trails. Like it just pays such dividends to be in good shape, to be committed to it. And I love the process of preparing and, and, uh, improving. And there's still just great hunting out there on, on public lands. And I just want to continue to improve on my execution and, you know, and the better you get, the, the higher you can set your goals, uh, your goal animals and the more opportunities you create through a season. It's like, it's like, um, teaching yourself that you can get opportunities at these giant 200 inch deer you know whatever the case is and uh just it just makes me want to keep my head down and keep working more and get better and um you know i'm the best version of myself i've ever been and i just want to continue to do that and uh, share the journey with you guys just keep passionate about what i love man i'm I'm, I'm blabbering on. This is not a solo podcast. So this is a podcast with Jared, Jared Pollitz. Um, great conversation. So I better wrap this thing up. Uh, putting on a roof right now, trying to get this done before the weather comes in. Trying to get it done so I can get out of town with Dan for a handful of days. Um, so it's been, been good. Been grinding on it. Um, but I did get this podcast done and out this morning. And... Uh, yeah, I better hop in my truck here and get to that roof and get that thing finished. So I'll check in with you guys next week. Thanks, as always, for all the support of the podcast. Uh, I sure love our passionate following and tagging me on social media and things and sharing in your guys' success. I need to get better with sharing everybody's success with everybody else, if that makes sense. Like, I, I get these messages. I need to be good about reposting them on Eastman's Elevated and and uh, man, there's just so much time in the day. It's so tough, like, where you put your focus, but... Um, it's been a heck of a season and, uh, I can't complain. I just, um, such a, such a good, enjoyable life I've built for myself. So it's like, man, it's, um, it's uh, better than I deserve for sure. But, um, let's wrap this thing up. Check in with you guys next week.